0: You're listening to the Midwest Marketing Orange Hour Podcast with your host, Brett Matice. All right, so I guess just to start it off, just get right into the thick things. Who are you who you are, uh, where you work at, all that good stuff, that just basic introductions for people.
1: Uh, sounds good to me. Uh, I am Corey Brown, and uh, I own and operate uh, Corey's Point S Tire and Auto Service, and uh, also Tri-State Tire on Campbell Street. And uh, I am from Rapid City, I grew up here. And um, probably fourth or fifth generation, I think. um, Grandparents were ranchers on both sides. Uh, and while farmers, my my mom's side of the family were farmers from East River, South Dakota.
0: We're at East River, um, Platt. Oh, really? Gettys, yeah. Okay. Do you by happen chance know any of the Johnsons that live in Platt?
1: I do. I met several Johnsons. I haven't spent any time out there in a little while, um, but yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yep. Uh, years ago, we'd go out there in the summertime and hang out and go to street dances and Fourth of July stuff, and so yeah.
0: Totally, it's a Platt is a cool area on the river there. I enjoy Platt very much.
1: It is, it is. I I still kind of have a little bit of nostalgia for that area because I, you know, um, I didn't spend a ton of time, but we'd go out there and and just it was a different. Uh, Rapid City's not like a city city like Chicago, but it is more city than than like Platte is, for oh, example. Absolutely. So so the atmosphere is a little different, especially when you're a kid. And um, I honestly felt like I had more a little more freedom going out to visit cousins and stuff in the country and uh and you know we just carefree and play around and um yeah if i would have thrown fireworks or shot bottle rockets at my brother or sister or anything at, at home i would have gotten severely scolded for that but i was pretty normal out there so yes yeah running around getting into trouble all <laughs> yep. that good stuff yep not 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 big trouble but you yes know, yeah a little so bit of trouble
0: that's mom's side dad's side was west river here
1: yep yep dad's side were um ranchers and uh and in wyoming and south dakota and uh So uh, not as much time spent with with them growing up, but a little bit.
0: Okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. Sounds good, like around that Belfouche area? Uh, Yeah, north of
1: Belfouche, actually. So uh, my granddad's ranch uh, uh, was uh, near Buffalo, and and so that's kind of that area. Uh, He had a ranch in Hoover, and then they moved to Buffalo after that. And his dad, uh, John Brown, was was near Buffalo, also. Okay,
0: I love that area up by Buffalo. I hunt antelope up there as well as many people do, and it's just so cool there when you're driving along. And then you have the Custer National Forest, which mm-hmm. is just so interesting. It's an awesome area. It,
1: it's really, it's really different. It's really God's country. It's so open. Um, I remember having exchange students from Europe uh, growing up. And uh, just just driving through that area or even driving through Wyoming on the way to Salt Lake or something, uh, they were just so blown away at how open it is. Yes. They, they just don't have that. Yes, you know?
0: I absolutely agree. I'm from Minnesota originally, so moving out here, it was like, especially to the western side of the state and the high plains and stuff like that, it's just big. Yeah, It's just open and it's big, and it's just something you just don't experience over in the Midwest or the East or stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and the, and the farther east you go, um, in, in the U.S. anyway, that just the more compact things get, and you have these, and they're not big towns, but little, you know, three to five to 10,000 person towns, but they're all over, just dotted all over the map, where out here we just... We have big open expanses.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, where I'm from, it's literally every like seven, eight miles there's a town. And they're not big towns, but it's like every seven, eight miles there's a town. Here it's just like miles and miles go by, especially out there on the plains up in yes. north northwestern South Dakota. Absolutely. For sure. So you own Corey's Point S, Tyronado what first got you interested in like the auto service and tire world? So that's uh, a semi-interesting story
1: and I'll, I'll start at the beginning, I guess. Uh, I've always been a car guy. I've always loved racing, uh, motorcycles, cars, both. Um, and I know that uh, we, we may talk about that a little bit more later, but um, so interestingly enough, I, I wasn't specifically looking for a job in the tire and, and auto repair business. But when I was about 20, 19 or 20 years old, Um, I had lived in, in Fort Collins for a while and uh, gone to school there and I'd moved back and uh, honestly, I was just looking for a job. And so getting into something where I could um, work in and around cars interested me. Um, You know, I I could have picked up a job uh, doing sales or something else somewhere else, I'm sure. But, but um, at the time the, uh, the tires plus store in North Haines, across from Best Buy and Lowe's had an opening for sales. And I thought, okay, that's that seems like a good spot. Um, you know, I, I, I like to work with my hands. I like to help people. Um, and that seemed like a, a, a good fit. So I, I got on as a salesman there and uh, learned how to use the tire machines, learned how to do light mechanical repair. Eventually, I, I got ASC certified as a as a mechanic. That, that wasn't my job, but I did get certified as a mechanic. And um, after a while, after probably, it wasn't quite a year, uh, the, the manager at the time, uh, wanted to move back to Minnesota, uh, had family issues, whatever. And and so the district manager came to me and I was, I had just turned 21 and said, would you like to run this store? And it was a little scary. I was the youngest person in the shop. I yeah, for a
0: 21-year-old, that's a big jump. It
1: was a huge jump. And it wasn't It wasn't like, um, you know, salesman to assistant manager or assistant manager to manager. It was right from salesperson to manager. I actually leapfrogged somebody. Uh, which he wasn't super happy about, but um, I had a great work ethic and I and I understood how to, how to be good with customers and I, I was pretty good with the staff. So um, so I took the job. It was pretty scary because it was going from like, you know, 35 to 60 hours a week um, and just kind of jumped in head first and learned as much as I could. I learned very quickly that the uh, when you're having guys that are older than you uh, work under you, really the, the best way to get their respect is to outwork them. And that I had that that I figured out in the first month. And so I showed up before everybody. I left after everybody. I worked six, seven days a week just to just to really dive into the job and understand it and and also to get the guys to respect me. Um, so I did that for uh, four or five years. We had a lot of great success. And uh, then in 2007 or 2008, uh, it was 2008, beginning of 2008. I had the opportunity to, um, a friend of mine, uh, Dave, who owned Tri-State Tire at the time, uh, had called and said, hey, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm working six days a week. Um, I don't I don't know that he was burned out, but he's ready to do something else, else with his life. He'd been doing it since like 1983 or something like that. And, and he said, are you interested in buying my store? I, I've built it up to this level. We've got a good reputation. Um, I really don't want to turn it over to somebody who's going to tank it. And I, I totally get that. And at, at first I turned him down and I said, no, I'm happy where I am. Uh, and then uh, things kind of changed corporately. Uh, Tires Plus is owned by Bridgestone Firestone and they, they change corporate structure and stuff all the time, like any big fortune 500 company. And I uh, got a new boss that I didn't like as much. And and so finally I called Dave back and I was like, hey, is that offer still on the table? And he said it was. So I basically, uh, put, put it together with Dave, uh, uh, got a, got a bank loan, which was a lot harder than I expected. <laughs> uh, cause they don't usually look at a 25, 26 year old guy and go, yeah, we're going to give you a million dollars to start a business. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but eventually we got everything put together and, uh, and in 2008 we bought uh, tri-state tire. And, uh, at the time it was just me and, uh, four guys, maybe two tire guys and two mechanics And, and David done a really good job building a a business with a great reputation. A lot of people liked him, trusted him, which is the exactly what you want to step into. You know, I assume
0: even more so in the automotive industry, it's 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 all about that trust because
1: you, you autom especially the first time you're, you're dealing with somebody uh, you you haven't built it yet. And we have kind of a stigma already because people don't know if you're telling them the truth or not. And, uh, and so we did a lot of things to, to build that trust. And slowly over the years, uh, built our customer base, you know, from that first year, we probably saw, uh, I don't know, 2,000, 2,500 cars over the course of the year and, and slowly grew the business. And now we're up to a staff of, you know, 30 plus and, and we're seeing 15,000, 20,000 cars a year. And um, it, it, was, it was a slow road because you, like you said, you, you really do have to build trust. You have to show people that you're not there to screw them. You, you would prefer to see them again and again and again rather than one time. And uh, it just, it's, uh, it's a slower process, but it's it's been pretty rewarding.
0: No, yeah, that's, it's a great success story going from small to now, like you said, you got 30 plus employees and, and are seeing three times, four times as many cars as you were when you started out in 2008. Um, can you talk about the shift from the tire factory going to Point S and what was the Decision, like the logic behind the decision of doing that, and how does that benefit you know customers for you? That, that's like a great story, actually,
1: and that's that's maybe even a better story than mine. Uh, so, uh, Tire Factory uh, was a a buying group. So the reason we we jumped on with them is because um, even though we run a pretty good, healthy business in in South Dakota, uh, you know, if, from a manufacturer standpoint, from a Michelin or a, or a um, Goodyear, uh, we're a small fry you know, and so, so they look at our, you know, 10,000 ish, whatever tires we're moving year and say, eh, you know, who cares? Uh, they don't say that, but, but that's the feeling you get talking to manufacturers yeah, as, sure. a, as a, you know, just a one or two location store owners. So, um, tire factory is a buying group, um, uh, based in Portland. And, uh, and we looked at it and we thought, you know, it, it couldn't hurt, uh, to get a couple of hundred stores, um, you know, to where you can go to the bargaining bargaining table and say, you know, our group's doing this much, and and you basically get paid more attention to, and you get better better pricing. Um, then uh, from there, and and for the first few years, we were pretty fiercely independent. We didn't, we weren't with any any group, any brand group. We were just just Tri-State Tire. Then um, the Point S deal came along, and and basically all the uh, members of the Tire Factory Group. Uh, jumped over onto Point S. Point S is basically the same thing. It's a it's a large. It's not just a buying group. It's it's branded. You can see, you know, we have this. We all have the same colors. We have brand standards. We cover each other's warranties. Except for it's much much larger. It's in 33 countries and there's 4,400 something points of sale versus 200 just in the U.S. Like we had with Tire Factory. So, um, basically, all the membership from Tire Factory jumped over onto onto the Point S group and uh, And it's been really fantastic because a little guy like us, and again, you know we do decent business, but but comparatively to some of the huge chains we're we're little can be price competitive and, and recognized, uh, from a cut, you know, if I get a customer from Washington state, they will recognize my brand because there's, you know, 40 stores out there in Washington state that are branded point S. And, uh, so, so you get the, the name recognition and more importantly, you get paid attention to by when you go to the bargain table with Michelin, you say, Hey, our group is buying 10 million tires a year from you this year. Um, then they say, Oh, you know, Hey, what, uh, what can we do for you? Uh, versus the other way around, which oh, is the way sure. it was ten years ago. So, um, so yeah, that that's a really great story, and I feel like it gives us some some not just buying power, but uh, some clout in the industry, which yes. is really nice for an independent.
0: Yeah, and you said like people are recognizing that point as brand as they're coming through, which is probably really important in a place like Rapid City, where tourism during the summer months is kicking in and people are traveling so much.
1: Yeah, it, it is. It is. I even had I had a couple from Quebec, uh, Eastern Canada, come in. Uh, they were visiting mount rushmore on their way to yellowstone uh, probably 3 months ago and and quebec's got uh, I don't know, 400 Point S store or something like that. Uh, it's very thick up there. And they they came to us because of that, because they recognized the brand. They had a local store they went to that they liked and trusted. And so they said, hey, there's, you know, there's a Point S store. We, we can go there. So uh, I, I'm not sure that that I would have gotten a chance to meet them otherwise. You yeah. know, they, they may have just gone to a chain store or something.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure you probably get that a lot where you don't even get to meet those people as they, they come in, they look at you, they're Point S. Oh, great. And they come in, get what they need and mm-hmm. good to mm-hmm. go. Yep. For sure, it's um, how has like you were saying you've been in it since well owner of something since 2008. How has it changed? Like, have you seen a shift in the industry, or is it pretty constant where we you guys are at?
1: So uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, that's there's a yes and a no to that. Um, everything is changing constantly. You know, 2020 will be different than 2019. Uh, there will be changes in our business as well as everybody else's. Even if it's slow, it it happens. Uh, I will I will give you an example of one of the bigger changes in our business. Now we're not one of these boom and bust industries like uh, you know construction or um, I mean there's a dozen others like that too where they can have just a stellar year and then a garbage year and then a or stellar month and then a garbage month. Uh, we're very steady. Uh, you know we see more cars in the fall obviously when people start sliding into curbs and realize they need new tires. But uh, other than that we're we're not huge boom and bust. What what our changes in our industry. Uh, One example that comes to top of mind is uh, tire sizing. So when I started in the business in 2001 or two, uh, whatever year that was, there were about less than 90 sizes of tire that would fit all passenger and light truck vehicles on the road. Um, So what that means is if you want to have, say you want to offer your customer uh, a a cheap option, uh, we'll call them value tires, I guess. Um, a mid-tier, you know, um, uh, a name brand, but not a high-end name brand and a premium like a, like a Michelin or a Goodyear, that means you have to have 12 tires in every size. So if you have 90 sizes and you can do the math, that's a thousand ish tires uh, that you need to carry. And that would cover anything your customer could possibly need walking in the door for at least for passenger and light truck. Now, uh, in, in 2019, there are 483, 489 something sizes. Really? Yes. Wow. Uh, and, and every year the manufacturers are coming out with with uh, larger rim diameters, wider, narrower. Um, so it, it really changed the way our industry is. And I actually feel fortunate I got in when I did, because if you were going to start fresh right now, um, the inventory alone is a nightmare. Um because again you go back to offering your customer several options in each size, um, you've gotta have thousands and thousands of tires in stock and and you know, average hundred to hundred fifty dollars per tire price, you know, from cheap to expensive, um if that's what you're gonna average it, you're talking uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of inventory if not if not into the low millions. So that's tough.
0: Oh, very much so.
1: Um it just, just to even stock what you need. So
0: what has been the reason for the expansion of that? Is there, you know, what's behind that?
1: A lot of it is the car manufacturers. Okay. So,
0: um,
1: and, and it's not just the, the U.S. Uh, Detroit car manufacturers like, you know, GM, Ford and, and uh, Dodge Chrysler. Uh, you see it out of the, the Koreans, the Kias and Hondas. a lot of the Japanese cars, they, their engineers create new sizes every year. Uh, rather than going back to another size, they'll, they'll say, all right, uh, this 2020 Camry needs a 19 inch wheel. And for for whatever reason, I I don't know why they make this decision, but um, we're going to put a a new, you know, 245, 35, 19 on this car, which may have been a size three years ago that didn't exist. And, uh, and so they, they have the tire manufacturer engineer a new tire for them based on the specs they're asking for. And boom, you got a new tire size. And you may not see it right off the bat uh, because that 2020 Camry has to go 30 or 40,000 miles before those tires wear out. Uh, but eventually you will have to stock that size.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's um, As we're coming into winter here, um, I know one of my old roommates was just like, he the BlizzX tires were his thing. He just thought those were super duper important. And we just had a big old snowstorm here last weekend. Is it unbelievably important to get these winter tires for people? Or if like someone's saying, oh, I don't you need, know, I can squeak by. Like how important is the, the winter tire when it comes to where we live?
1: So I, I'll tell you a personal story uh, of mine from, from when I very first uh, started the tire business that, that maybe will be a little eye-opening. I, I didn't buy the whole winter tire thing at the beginning. I thought it was marketing by the big companies um, and and they were just trying to sell additional tires. Um, so uh, like I had told you before, my, my original employer Bridgestone was owned by Bridgestone Firestone. Well, Bridgestone makes the Blizzak, And that was at the time, they were really rolling those out hard. Uh, they were really the, one of the first manufacturers to make a great winter tire. And, uh, and so at the end of the selling season, they had a contest and they had given away a few sets and I was fortunate enough to win a free set of Blizzaks. and, and this was the end of the winter season, but it was still, March is still winter, you know? And so I put a set of, uh, Blizzacks on our Dodge Neon and, uh, there, there's a whole other part to the story, but long story short, um, they were incredible. I could not believe how much better the traction was than my all season tires. And I was sold. And now I'm, now I'm like, not spoiled, uh, ruined, I guess, because I have to have a set of winter tires on my car now, because they're just so much better than all season. Um, aside from that, there is a new market segment that is growing, uh, quite a bit, and that's all weather. So this is a a pretty common misnomer. Um, everyone or a lot of everyone runs all season tires, all season tires, basically all season, all weather, first off are not the same thing. Um, all season is more of a summer tire that is, is you can get away with running in the winter Uh, and all weather tire is more of a winter geared tire that is, um, stout enough to handle the heat in the summer. Um, so that, that, that all weather, uh, which tend to be quite a bit better in the bad weather, like last weekend, for example, um, are, is a, is a much growing market segment. So I I've seen people going to that. I still run winters and summers because the traction on the winters is amazing. And, uh, and you just can't, if you've never run them, do yourself a favor and put some on cause they're fantastic. Something good like a Blizzak. uh, that the best are actually Nokians are made in Finland. Uh, they make an incredible winter tire, but yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't tried them, you should cause they're fantastic.
0: Yeah, well, I think a big barrier to entry for people is like, oh, tires are expensive. That's However, true. if you crash into somebody because you can't stop sliding around, that's more expensive. So. Yeah,
1: exactly. What's your, I mean, for example, uh, a decent set of winter tires on a passenger car, five or $600. I mean, that's like your deductible for a wreck, you know, or it might be higher than that, actually. Yeah. Uh, not to mention... Everything else you have to go through in that, so. yeah,
0: exactly. So it's it's worth it just to get, it, especially if you live in a real snowy, icy place like we do.
1: Yeah. Well, and if you want to math it out, uh, if you're not running your summers all winter and you're not running your winters all summer, you you should get about twice the life out of both of them. Yeah, true. So I mean, I mean, just uh, dollars per mile wise, it doesn't actually cost you any money. It's just more upfront, you know.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's um. All right, so I'm gonna paint a scenario here for you, and okay. then you'll have to tell me how you would handle it uh, at. Corey's point s someone comes in say it's me because this would be me in this situation where i go i come in i know kind of a little about cars but not nearly enough i go something is rattling up here in my front right tire area how would you handle that situation where like i kind of know what's something's not right but i don't know what's going on so the the
1: tough part about this if you've been doing this a long time is is to try not to um diagnose things from the counter in the parking lot, yep. because, uh, I mean, you're probably going to be right 95 times out of a hundred, but you also don't want to be like, oh yeah, that's your hub bearing assembly. Uh, cause it's grinding. And then turns out you, you quote it and then you pull it in and it's something totally different. So, uh, in that scenario, obviously the best thing to do is get up on the rack, check it out, you know, get an actual real diagnosis. That way you don't miss something. Um, and, uh, and, you know, get you an idea what you're going to be going to be looking at. Okay. okay.
0: For sure. Do you would you say you deal with more people in that realm of things where they, you know, come in and it's like really relying on you? Or do you deal with more people who are coming in? They're like, this is what's wrong, but I can't fix it myself. Um,
1: We get some of both. Actually, Um, we'll get uh, we'll get guys actually and ladies, too, uh, that can fix their own car, uh, but really don't want to be out in their unheated garage uh, doing a set of brakes or a tie rod end. So we get, we get that style of customer. We get the ones that, um, can do it themselves, but maybe are concerned with a warranty. And so they say, all right, you can, you can put on these front end parts because if I travel to Georgia and it breaks down, I don't want to have to do it again myself. And then we get a lot of people, uh, maybe half or better that, uh, that really don't know and are just relying on our, our good mechanic to, to check it out and, and make sure that they're getting the right thing fixed.
0: For sure. So it, it's a mix. Okay. Yeah. that I guess that would make sense that you kind of get a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. All right. I kind of put together a little list of rapid fire questions. You can take as long as you want on the questions or just answer them in one word, whatever is best for you. Fair enough. All right. First one, uh, most difficult vehicle, like make a vehicle to work on.
1: Mm, that's a tough I one. I feel like it's, a, it's broad. It, that is. Um, so I'm going to say my gut says... BMW or Volvo, um, mainly because there aren't a ton of them around. So your technicians aren't used to working
0: on those. Okay. That would, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Plus, plus, especially the Germans like to do things differently. Uh, you know, the Japanese and American cars are are similar in a lot of ways and, and the Germans just like to do, you know, water pumps differently and, and alternators differently. and they're hidden in different spots in the engine compartment. And so, yeah, that's, uh, If I thought about it for a while, I'd probably come up with a couple different other options. But yeah.
0: Why do the Germans like to, if, like, unless that's too broad of a question, too, but what's the reasoning behind switching it around just to be different or does it benefit them in any way? I I can
1: promise you they're not doing it to be different. Um, They, whoever's engineering that, probably engineered it from what they would consider scratch. And and they just, for whatever reason, felt like that was the best way to do it.
0: Okay. For sure. It's all right. Next one. Uh, Repair or service that you guys make most on a daily basis
1: the 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 thing that we do and see most yes uh brakes brakes uh, yeah yeah i followed closely by alignment
0: okay mm-hmm. all right all right uh you personally your favorite vehicle to work on if you had to like if someone drove into the shop you'd be like i want to work on that because it's a cool vehicle
1: okay um i guess that's a, a kind of a two-parter because um I've owned a lot of Toyota pickups and like Tacomas and 4Runners and stuff. So for me personally, those are the easiest to work on because I've done a lot of getting my hands dirty on those. Um, coolest to work on? I mean i would I would love to dig into something exotic like a Ferrari or Lamborghini or just just to see what makes it tick. Yeah. Um, I, we've done tires on some of those exotic cars, but have never done any like auto repair on them. So okay.
0: So you would have the confidence to be like, I've never worked on this before, but I'd love to dig it apart and I'd be able to put it back together. I'd try it, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. that's to me personally, that's baffling because I'd be like, no way am I touching that thing because I'd know that I'd mess it up some way or another. All right, uh, this could be a tough one too here. Lot of talk with when people are like, oh, should I bring my vehicle to a dealership or should I bring it to someone like you guys to get you know with OEM parts and all that stuff. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. why would you like make your pitch against going to the dealership? And sure, going to you guys.
1: And I don't want to. I wouldn't want to talk people out if they have a good relationship and a trusting relationship with a specific car dealer. I wouldn't want to talk them out of that because that's that's a pretty important key factor. Yes, of course, um, I will say the advantages to coming to a store like ours are. Uh, one, we have a very professional ASC certified staff. I've got two ASC master mechanics on staff, uh, which uh, most dealerships don't even have. One, uh, they will get certifi- fully certified, say in GM or in Nissan or whatever what what they're you know that specific car, but they're not uh, broader certified like like ASE is is all makes and models. Um, the the first thing I would say is that um, our labor rate is a bit cheaper. Uh, So most dealerships you're dealing with, uh, I would say $135-ish an hour in in the Rapid City market anyway, in the Black Hills market, uh, where we're around $100 an hour. So it saves you a little bit of money. Um, The the warranty might be a little better with us uh, because we're, regardless of what town you're in, even if it's a town of 3,000 people that maybe doesn't have, say, a Nissan dealer, for example... Uh, when we put on a set of brake pads and rotors, it's got a three or 36,000 mile warranty. And if they fail before that in some random town, it's a hundred percent covered and uh, dealerships will cover that of course, but only in their network. Uh, so that, that would be, I guess, some key points that I would, that I would bring up, uh, you know, labor 8 being a little bit less money and, uh, and a sli- what I would say is slightly better warranty.
0: Yeah. I would say your network thing is huge too. Cause I mean, I don't know what it is, but my family's vehicles seem to break down a lot. And we've never broken down in like a convenient spot where it's like, oh, never. we're in this giant city. This is good. We'll just grab a hotel. It's like we're always in the middle of nowhere, it seems. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's probably a big a big ticket.
1: Well, in our, our warranty, you don't have to be in a Point S store either. Uh, oh, it's, really? It's, yep. Any Any certified shop, we will send them a credit card number and cover it.
0: Okay. Okay. That's awesome. For mm-hmm. sure. All right. Well, we'll take a little breather here. And when we come back, we'll switch it around from tires and talk about some other stuff.
1: Cool. That sounds great.
0: Hey guys and gals, it's Brett Mattice, the host of the Midwest Marketing Podcast. I need you to do me a favor really, really quick. I promise you it won't take long. However you're listening to this here podcast, go on to iTunes, Stitcher, maybe you're just on our website, whatever it is, go give us a five-star rating. See those stars, there's gonna be five of them. Just go to the one furthest on the right-hand side, click that one. Maybe write a few quick nice words about us. Unless you don't like us very much, then don't write anything at all. Thanks a lot, I appreciate it. Let's get back to listening. A lot of people's hobbies, like they'll go to their job as an accountant or whatever they do, and they come home and they tinker on cars and old trucks and stuff like that. Do your hobbies match up with that type of stuff? So your, your hobby is your job, or do you have other stuff that you like to do as well?
1: Oh, there's there's definitely other things that I like to do. Um, the, the one downside to working in the auto repair industry is that uh, when you're done at the end of the day, it is hard to go home and work on your own stuff. Yes, uh, and a lot of mechanics have that plight too, because we've got guys that work for us that are, uh, pretty avid drifters and, uh, and you know, we'll race cars and stuff, but it, it is tough to, uh, you know, work a 40, 50 hour week and then go home and tinker on your own stuff. Um, I, so I, I fight that, uh, but I still love cars regardless. Um, I do have other hobbies. Um, I, I love to ski and snowboard, um, I like to, uh, that's probably my biggest wintertime sport. And then, and then I used to, uh, race, uh, I, I don't anymore, but I absolutely love racing, uh, literally anything, dirt bikes, street bikes, cars on foot. I mean, you, you know, I, I was serious about that. You name it. I, I, I would love to race yeah. it.
0: Have you ever messed around with sprint cars at all, or got any into that?
1: I've I've only driven a sprint car one time, and I absolutely loved it. Um, just the the feeling of a, a load of power in a very small vehicle. Yes. Um, it's it's uh, intoxicating. Yeah, uh, just
0: drifting around, going with that big yep. tire. Yeah. Yep. No, one of my friends who I went to college with, he is really big. He's uh, into sprint car racing and, and races. You know, every weekend in the summer, if it's not raining or, or you know the track's all messed up, but. Yeah, he's definitely into the race, and um, but that's just him. You like to, I mean, like you said, you race everything as far as I mean, dirt bikes, motocross, all that type of stuff. Yeah, I,
1: I absolutely will race anything, and and I haven't done any sanctioned racing in a while, but uh, I absolutely will. You know, if there's a if there's a road course track day, uh, you know, where you can you can bring your car, bring your race car, bring your whatever your daily driver if you want to, I'd, I'll absolutely go to it.
0: You'll go? Did that mm-hmm. start from a really young age? Like, where your parents like, quit going so fast? Like when you're driving? Totally.
1: Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I got uh, I got my back of my hand slapped a lot of times by my parents for driving too fast, or or uh, you know, mom telling me to slow my dirt bike down because I was going to kill myself, and you know, just uh, the it's very thrilling, like like you talked about earlier with adrenaline. Um, yeah, it's just something about it's awesome.
0: It's a so when you were racing, like you said, you haven't raced in a little while, but when you were racing, can you walk people like through the process of getting your bike or whatever you are racing ready to go and then you know applying to whatever race and like kind of the steps to race day and then what happens when race day comes
1: so it really depends on what you're doing i mean there's there's so many different things Uh, a lot of people that race cars around here race dirt track circle track and that of course is quite a bit different than say racing motocross for example um, I mean, you still have some of the same prep stuff. You still have to, um, you know, uh, register, uh, no matter what you're racing. So, uh, the main thing of course is getting your gear together, making sure that, uh, your bike or car is running properly, that you're, you know, not going to run into any issues. You could be the fastest guy on the track, but if you're, Uh, if your bike's going to blow halfway through the race, or if your car's going to, you know, uh, throw a, whatever issue at you halfway through the race, doesn't matter. So, uh, you you have to make sure that everything's kind of set that your, that your car, your bike, whatever is, is ready to roll. Um, and there, there's a lot of nerves usually the night before, um, because you're just, uh, excited and nervous and, and, uh, but if you're, if your question was geared, I guess, towards, uh, what to do, yeah, something you're interested in, then, then, uh, I would suggest going to watch a race first, get to know some of the, some of the crowd, some of the people who are involved and then, and then dip your toe in by, you know, registering for something and, and, uh, going for it.
0: Okay. Do you have any like really horrific wipeout stories that you could tell us, or are you pretty much staying <laughs> upright all the time?
1: No, no, that's definitely not <laughs> the case. <laughs> Um, I would say my, my best crashes have been on, I also used to do border cross on my snowboard when I lived in Colorado. Um, my best crashes are on my dirt bike and on my snowboard. And, uh, there have been a few, um, I remember coming up over, a, um, it's probably a triple one time and, and nailing it. I had been doubling the jump, uh, of the triple, you know, like several laps and then I decided to gun it and try to hit the triple. And and I knew about just after leaving the jump that it was going to come up short.
0: Does, is that and, like the feeling you get all the time is like, as soon as you go, it's like, I'm not going to make it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty crappy sinking feeling in your stomach where you're like, oh crap. I, I probably said a much worse word in my <laughs> head, but uh, you know, just knowing that you're going to come up short and trying to do anything you can to make it hurt as little as possible. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I've had a few of those moments where, you know, uh, you know, it's going to hurt. You just don't know how bad, yep. but, uh, yeah, I've, I've had a few where you kind of, it almost happens in slow motion.
0: It kind of like time slows yeah, down a like little Yeah. Like time
1: slows down. You know, it's going to happen. You know, it's coming and you're just, well, here we go. You know. Yeah. It's but a, yeah, my my, my worst wrecks have definitely been on uh, on a snowboard and on my dirt bike. Dirt bike for sure.
0: It's a, you mentioned that you did border cross. Can you? For people that don't know what that is, I mean, maybe they're not, you know, in that world. Can you explain to them what that is? So
1: uh, border cross is basically like motocross or supercross on your dirt bike, uh, but it's on a skis or a snowboard downhill. So they have big berm turns, they have singles, doubles, and sometimes even triple jumps, tabletops, things like that. And it's basically first one, well, for border cross and skier cross, it's four people at a time and first one down the hill, regardless of your time wins. Uh, it's fairly simple concept, but, um,
0: yeah, it's, it's a lot
1: like motocross.
0: Do we have anything like that around here in the rap city? Like obviously Terry peak, if you want to ski and snowboard is the place to be, but do they have anything like that there?
1: You know, uh, they used to have border and skier cross races. Uh, I haven't been up as much in the last two years, although me and my family all bought passes this year. So we'll be up a lot more. Um, I don't know if they're still doing that or not they they had I'd say if you back up ten or fifteen years they had uh at least two or three a year okay um, downhill and I never competed any here at Terry Peak or Deer Mountain, but um, I did a lot you know at Copper Mountain and winter park and and some of the places in Colorado when I lived down there. Uh, I would have to check and see if they still do that here. I would, I would love to even, even just watch. I probably couldn't watch. I probably have to register, yeah. but <laughs> it's a,
0: have you seen or watched at all? Any of the, like the crashed ice type stuff with on hockey skates where they, you know, send yes. them down that isn't that insane. I
1: Absolutely love that. That yeah. is so great. Yeah. Just crazy. watching those guys get, go at it. It's, that's basically the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's downhill. It's border or skier cross, but on ice skates. Yeah. You
0: know. Any interest in that at all? I try can, can you skate? I, I can. You can yeah. skate. And I would try get, it. Yeah. Man, it looks like it hurts. It does. It looks like it
1: hurts.
0: (laughs) It really does. Um, Have you ever thought about transitioning and and selling tires and and doing repairs on bikes and ATVs and and other stuff like that?
1: You know, um, I have in the past. uh, It's not something we currently offer, but, and part of the reason for that is because of the industry. So, um, for example, when when, uh, a passenger and light truck is considered one segment, of, of the industry. Uh, motorcycle, uh, you know, bike tires, bike repair is, is another segment. Uh, truck, truck, like semis, tractor trailers is another that's commercial segment. And then, uh, of course you've got ag, uh, you know, farm implement stuff like that. That's a separate segment. And so typically, um, you, you don't need to specialize. You can do multiples or kind of bleed into one or the other, but, um, when, when you're going specifically to parts and tire manufacturers and, and talking about deals and, and setting up, uh, things like that, uh, they, they consider bike completely separate from passenger light truck. So, um, we've considered it, uh, we would have to carry more inventory of course, and, and have, uh, have a specialized deal with, with tire manufacturers, but, uh, it's, it's it's a possibility.
0: It's a possibility. Well, yeah. I think, and you said too, obviously it can be difficult. 438, did I get that number right? Different and ty- and that's, types of tires? That's just passenger light truck. That's just passenger Like yes. truck. You have to carry all that for the different bikes and all that stuff. I mean, your inventory is getting huge, which, mm-hmm. granted, you got the nice brand new spanking big building, which is awesome. But again, that inventory is... It,
1: mean, it is. It is. And, and I'll be honest, a part of it's an inventory storage issue. Right now, we're, we're storing about, uh, at the shop on the hill, probably 2,500 tires. Um and it's it's a fine line to walk because if you carry any less, you're not offering your customer uh, all the options they might want. Uh, but if you're carrying any more, you run out of space, like yes. physical space, to to store all that stuff. So uh, that that is part of the decision too.
0: Yeah, totally. It's a uh, I don't know. As I'm looking at my notes here, kind of wrapping everything up. Is there anything that I missed or anything last minute thoughts that you want to say or let every all the listeners know?
1: I, I guess nothing in particular This has been great. Uh, I love talking and just bantering. Um, yeah, if, if, if and anybody has, uh, the one thing I do know very, very well is, is automotive. If anybody has any automotive related questions or tire related questions, uh, I'd be happy to answer them. Uh, yeah. if somebody just wants to stop up or, or leave me a voicemail at the store or something.
0: Yeah, totally. It's uh, it's good stuff. They can send them here. We would send them, send them to you. Um, how can people find you, you uh, on Facebook? Find you on Facebook website, yep. all that type of stuff. Yeah, so
1: we have uh, we're we're fairly active on on uh, Facebook. Both uh, there are separate sites for Corey's Point S, uh, Rapid City, and Corey's Point S in Belfouche. And uh, yeah, we we answer the the Facebook um, if queries uh, several times a day. So if you have a question or anything like that, you can sure ask, or you, or you can just call the shop, which in Rapid is uh, 716-6600 uh, in Belfouche at seven, two, three, 7,700. But, uh, yeah, it, you know, it, I, I just love helping people. And if you, if you have a car related question, um, I don't mind answering it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. For people who are listening, if you need your, your vehicle fixed, you're in the Rapid City area. I got a wheel bearing replaced on my 2006 Dodge Dakota before ah. it got sent to the junkyard. Um, but yeah, it's like you said, you can't miss it. You're up on the hill there. Great new facility. You get to watch some TV, eat some popcorn. It's a we, good spot.
1: We've been very fortunate. I, I really every time I drive to work, I, I love that store. It's oh, it's, it's great. Uh, fun it's good atmosphere. It's clean. It's I, I just I like going there.
0: Yeah, it's a good spot. It's it's definitely I'd recommend it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate no that. Very kind. So yeah, I guess I that's all I got here for us today. And thank you for listening.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh thank you for having me on. I, I appreciate it.
0: Yep. Awesome. See you next time, guys.